let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. I have a conversation with Nico Russo about authenticity. There are a lot of other topics that we cover as well, but it's really interesting to hear his journey and his own self deep dive journey of his discovery of authenticity. And it's also been a really great um, experience just from my perspective to watch him over the past dozen years or so be able to not only leverage authenticity and trusting relationships that he's had in the business world, but also to be able to really bring his gifts to the table. And he's loaded with gifts. He is actually one of the people that I modeled the logician gift after. And the logician gift has attributes, including um, the three intelligences, which are practical, analytical, and creative, and how he is able to leverage not only his education and his experiences, but also passions and desires to be able to build the story to get others involved and on board with his ideas. So join me in this episode. It'll be really fun to hear from Nico. Your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt, on Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt, on Twitter at McCourt Angie. So without further ado, let's hear from Nico. Nico, welcome to Shifting Inside Out. I'm so grateful to have you on this episode. We are here today with Nico Russo, and I'd like for him to just give yourself a quick introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Angie, thanks so much for having me. I am uh, so glad you've taken on this effort. It's such a huge opportunity. Um, Nico Russo, um, uh, holding a career at, at TD Cynix. I've been uh, 60 and a half years in the, in the profession of, of IT. And uh, my roots come from, from Greece and, and the Bahamas, but happy to be living in Tampa, Florida, working in the IT industry. Very good. Awesome. And you have two little ones as well. So you're a dad I and do. you've got, oh my God, they're so cute. To G&D. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we've known each other a very long time. So um, I was able to see you have your little children and see them grow and, and see you grow in your or in your um, career as well. Um, so because um, others in the audience may not know you very well, we're going to do a quick round of questions. Yeah, so yeah. Um, first question, what is your morning ritual or routine? That's a great question. So try to start off the morning on a good note. Um, so I'll get up around 4.30 in the morning, um, have a, a brief breakfast, and then I hit either uh, the YMCA for, for a gym, burnout gym, or I do a Pilates uh, workout. So I typically try to make my way back home by 7 to 8 a.m. to plug in for work or take the kids to school and jump in the routine. But that usually sets me off on a good note for the day. Very good. That's awesome. 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> what time do you go to bed? <laughs> Around 10 p.m. or so. Wow. Okay. Yeah, good yeah. for you. That's still yeah. like only six and a half hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. How do you renew your energy then? You know, I've, uh, I've learned to master decompression. So uh, I've tried to build in my schedule throughout the day, you know, working in corporate America can be very hectic and demanding. So uh, just kind of learning from uh, uh, mentors along the way, I've kind of, instead of 30 minute meetings, I try to create 25 minute meetings instead of an hour long meeting, 45 minute meetings. And that five, 15 minutes, really goes a long way to kind of get up, stretch, grab a snack, clear the head. Um, so that's typically how I kind of manage and, and cope. That's excellent. That's called managing your energy for sure. I love it. And and taking control of your day. You know, there's no no written word that says we have to have hour-long meetings or a certain set time frame. So um, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, so going back to decompression, typically at the end of a day, um, I'll usually kind of binge watch uh, some Netflix show, whether it's uh, Shit's Creek or New Girl, or I'll jump over to HBO Max and watch Friends for for hours at a time. Sometimes just some mindless TV, just to kind of let myself uh, let myself go. That's awesome. I love it. Yep, I do that. I call. I need to veg. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Nico, you know, I I can absolutely say with um, 100% certainty that you are like one of the most authentic people um, I think I've ever met, have had the pleasure of being friends with and working with. And, you know, there's um, an amazing, um, I would say, benefit to you, but also to others around you because of the way that you show up as your full self and as your true self. Um, you know, the, the authenticity can be such a struggle, you know, not just in the workplace, but in other areas of our lives too, and being able to be our true selves without fear, without feeling pressure that we have to conform to something around us. And so I would just, I've never really asked you this, but I would love to hear, you know, what, what do you think? kind of set you on your path and this this may even go back to where you were raised um, yeah. and your family um, but you know why do you feel like you can do that where you know others can listen to your story and maybe think wow you know I didn't really have that so maybe it's something that I can can overcome what what what's your story like <laughs> yeah I'm glad to share and I appreciate the sentiments Andrew it's very kind of you um, but it, it wasn't always that way, right? Um, and it wasn't that I was trying to build a false facade. It's more so kind of what you always allude to, uh, like in your book, in terms of like you almost become robotic throughout life where you follow societal norms and you conform to what you're supposed to do. So that's typically how I, my early years really tracked in that trajectory. And I kind of just followed that path. And it's not until you have that moment of reflection that you realize that they, there could be a different way. But, you know, kind of going back to my roots, I, I alluded to the fact that I grew up in the Bahamas. Well, my parents were Greek and um, they migrated to the Bahamas at the ages of 17 and 21. Neither one of them had a high school diploma. So obviously not neither a college education, but um, father was very uh, a blue collar kind of guy and uh, always had a, a tremendous work ethic. And, uh, you know, the old school mentality in terms of a provider for the family, he would work kind of the long hours to to do so. And uh, that's kind of, I kind of witnessed that um, in my adolescence and kind of grew up with that uh, mentality in terms of being the provider. And then my mom, on the other hand, was probably a polar opposite, but 
more of a, an entrepreneur. She had a shoe store and, uh, and uh, she tended to be more risky and, and creative. Whereas my dad was the more risk averse conservative. Uh, but I got the, the ability to kind of see both. Um, so I kind of grew up in, in that aspect, two older brothers, uh, you know, being the youngest, I get to see a lot of failures, right? And I learn from other people's mistakes. Um, but, you know, I was, it was cool because once I graduated high school, um, I was the first to go to college in my family. So it started in the Bahamas and, um, you know, I had no intentions of ever living in the U.S., but it was a friend of mine that actually um, tapped me on the shoulder, a buddy that I grew up with in the Bahamas. And he said, hey, why don't you come to Tampa and finish off your education? I was like, never thought to do so, but gladly. Right. So, you know, I applied to USF, became a bull and, you know, um, fast tracked a bachelor's degree in six years. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately I, I graduated um, and landed on a, on a finance degree. I found my passion or what I thought was my passion at the time. I thought I'd get into investment management and banking and things of that nature and ultimately end up back in offshore banking in the Bahamas. That obviously um, didn't play out, but um, there was a there was a company at the time. I don't even know if it still exists, monster.com. I posted my resume out there. Thought I'd get some international experience before I head back to the Bahamas. And I think her name was Stephanie DePew. She was in HR at the time. She was a recruiter. She called me, had never heard of tech data. And uh, she she uh, gave me an opportunity for an interview. And it was awesome because I got to kind of step in, you know, and 16 and a half years later, I'm still with a still with the company. And it's been it's been an amazing journey. So to kind of kind of just step you through, right, it's just been a, an amazing sequence of events because I want to get back to authenticity. But again, I came in with a, a very programmatic mindset, like I'm going to work nine to five, get a paycheck, learn what I can learn and, and walk away. And um, over time, like I, I just became consumed with the corporate life and I just got very involved in this routine and that whole mechanical robotic aspect of life just kicked into high gear. And I got consumed in this in the corporate America. So as, as I kind of grew up in the organization, you start to build personal relationships. You know, I met my, my the mother of my kids at, at tech data. We got married, we had two beautiful kids and you know, that really became my identity. And, um, Honestly, it's it's like the moments that matter are kind of like the coaching opportunities that I, I great leadership. Like Angie, I talk about you to this day in high esteem, but people like Chuck Bartlett, Tina Bellin, Joe Urocco, like all of these folks, I, it was amazing to have leadership like that, that really kind of, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I had great coaching and mentorship to kind of steer me along the path. But I also had some really humbling moments in my personal life, right? I, you know, I failed my marriage, like, my lack of uh, inability to communicate effectively and manage through tough situations. They led me down a very um, um, uh, humbling path. But you know what, man, I am better for it today because um, I found myself always um, isolating myself and blaming the world for all of my problems where it was everyone else's issue. Never took accountability, but it was because I had all these blind spots and I created all these stories about uh, what life was supposed to be, who I was supposed to be. And, you know, once I started going into therapy, 
like it, it, this this individual my therapist has become like my best friend i still check in with him because i kind of like empty my cup as we call it right you kind of get overwhelmed in the day-to-day and it's, it's just it's so enlightening um when you can just kind of offload everything that you want to on on someone and it's really uplifting and um that's when i really started to realize like it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to be transparent and show people who you are. And quite frankly, again, to go back to where I started, it wasn't because I was trying to create a facade. It was because I was so robotic and mechanical, I didn't even know who I was. So having moments to kind of sit with myself and figure out who I was, what my passions were, what I was happy about, man, that's when I really kind of had a breakthrough in in my personal life. And I realized that you don't really delineate your personal life and your professional life. They're one. And so I, I slowly became the same person, no matter where I was with friends, with uh, my colleagues, with family, I became the same person and everybody knew. And to this day, everybody knows who I am. I'm I'm an open book. And uh, my, I mean, I have aspirations to, to inspire just like you do, obviously in my own small scale, I don't think I'll ever be as prominent as you. That's why I applaud you, Angie. But I'm going to try and make an impact just telling my story because I think being authentic and, and kind of failing fast and being okay with failing is, is and hopefully it kind of cascades. I would say that probably 70, 80% of the listeners um, listening to this podcast have felt that way at some point or other in their life. Um, I think we do get on that that train, you know, it just keeps going and, and, and you know, expectations play such a big role, um, you know, having that expectation of head of household or, or you know, um, income earner or, you know, responsible for children or responsible for whatever we take on those identities um, and think that those are the expectations that we have as well. And then it gets really hard to get off the train. Um, so I applaud you so much for one, you know, going and and saying, I want something different. I need to figure this out. I want to find myself and doing the therapy, um, you know, and, and therapy is not a one or twice, once or twice type of a situation. I mean, it's a journey and it's as far as you want to take it. Right. And I think it's such a great um, opportunity, not just when, you know, there's something that um, you want to fix, but like in your case, you were wanting to evolve. And you were wanting to to take yourself to the next level. And it's such a great opportunity for people to be able to do that and not feel like it's, you know, it's um, there's something wrong with it or something wrong with me because I'm doing it. No, it actually will make you a better and a happier person, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Even if you have the worst therapist, you probably will still end up finding some great, you know, uh, improvement, enhancement or nuggets there. So yeah, I, I, I think that that is really amazing. And I love your vulnerability around um, your story. The one thing that I've seen from you in the um, workplace and the environment is how you build trust because of your authenticity, because of your transparency. Mm-hmm. And, and also not just trust in you, um, and collaborating with you and working with you and, and knowing that you're a good partner, but in trusting your ideas and trusting what you bring to the table. And you have brought some major 
innovation to the table at my during my time at Tech Data. Um, what what did you did you end up doing the quiz for the book? Did yeah. you take the quiz? What I was did. your what was your primary archetype? Is it evocateur? Am I pronouncing evocateur? Correctly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, evocateur yeah. is the visionary. Well, what's yeah. interesting about that? Like, if you um, put your email address in, you can get the um, the secondary and then supporting um, gifts and archetypes as well. They'll come to you. You can okay. take the quiz again if you want. Um, yeah. But it, it's what's amazing when when I view you, I view so many of these gifts. And by the way, the gifts are not like one size fits all. You have the evocator, the visionary, right? You can actually, you know, kind of take these big ideas. You could take these futuristic ideas and pull them in. You're also an edge walker. An edge walker is one who um, you have one foot in today. You have one foot in the future and you're this bridge. You're, you're able to communicate to people your vision in a way that they can get on board with. Um, and then also, I think you're a storyteller. Like I have seen you present ideas over and over again where you can tie it all together so that it's not choppy. It's not just about the numbers. It's not just about the technology. It brings all pieces together. And storytelling is super important for creators, which you are also. And then I would say you're the logician. So you have so many of the gifts that I showcase. And the logician is one I actually modeled off of you. <laughs> so the logician um is kind of the archetype and gift around risk intelligence that uses, you know, all three intelligences, including the practical, analytical, and the creative. And I've seen this over and over and over and over and over again with you. What I would love for you to share with the audience is, you know, what drives you to use all of your gifts and not be afraid to do that and bring your ideas forward? because I see it in a fearless way all the time with you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting timing because I had a, a conversation with a mentee today and I was kind of talking them through uh, my career tech data, which has been really colorful. You know, I, I talked about leadership um, in the past and I actually referenced, there was a, a story that you'll, you'll remember, but it, like when we talk about moments that matter, there were, there were key um, scenarios that occurred along the way. So, if you look at just the journey um, on Cisco, when I when I first joined the team, Eric Buck he just kind of threw me in the deep end and was like, "Go figure it out." And I was I was an analyst. I I I knew Excel like that's that was it. That was the extent <laughs> of my capabilities. And he wanted me to figure out the most complex process with Cisco. And I didn't even know I had no business context at all. And it was. Like I learned very quickly, it's, it was about following the breadcrumbs, right? And it was, so I had I would talk to individual number one and they would kind of tell me their story and then I would stitch it together. I'd be like, what happens next? What happens next? And over time, I kind of got this end-to-end -end perspective, right? And, um, you know, I reflect now and that was a, a great foundation. He really kind of threw me in the deep end, but it was a great way to kind of get me to adapt to the environment we live in, but also build a new skill set. And then what followed it, you know, this is the um, the meeting we were at when we flew up to Atlanta for that customer visit, you know, and, and uh, you know, I had, after we get reamed for about an hour, I had to, I raised my hand and I walked to the whiteboard and that became the genesis of of how we kind of enable our, our partners, right? But that was predicated on the fact that I understood process and how to follow the breadcrumbs. So it was a matter of just adapting that um kind of mindset to this customer use case. And then, you know, if you think about the different 
exposures I had, like people took risks on me. They did. And, you know, everybody, you you took a risk on me. Everybody took a risk on me in terms of giving me different opportunities. I never did any marketing. I never did any business development. But y'all gave me an opportunity. I would fly up to Atlanta on a monthly basis, engaging with business units. I didn't know what I was doing, right? Yeah, but I was learning along the way. So it was leadership taking risks of me and giving me the exposure. So what I have, you know, like go, to answer your question, I think what I've been able, I've been privileged to have a career where I had leadership that trusted me, where I could explore different facets of, because I didn't know what skill sets I had. Again, when I came in, I thought I was really good at Excel. And that was kind of the extent. But over time, I started to develop certain crafts. I got certain disciplines. I realized that I had certain raw skill sets around like critical thinking and process and things like that. And, um, and, and to kind of pull it all together, put the wrap around it, I've just been really passionate about what customers think of us, right? I want to I wanna be more than just a distributor and viewed more than just you know, a corporate entity, I actually want to make a difference in whatever, whatever that means. Right. And, you know, if I have one career to have in my life, let it, I want to make an impact. And so that kind of keeps me honest. Right. So if to get, I mean, like the way I think about it is I see an immense amount of opportunity. Like we live in a great age where digital transformation means a lot. It's changing the way we live, work and play. And I see an immense amount of opportunity when I compare what happens um, outside of the purview of, of my career and the ability for that to influence our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm trying to bring it all in together. So I'm not some some genius, but it's, it's more so just the ability to kind of step out of, step off the train, take a step back, look at the world for what it is, and maybe connect some dots. And so that's maybe like where maybe the, the vision, as you call it, comes into play. But then again, all the skill sets that I learned along the way through people like you, that's what really helps kind of round out the ability to also execute on that vision. And that's kind of where I'm trying to really help the team like elevate and kind of think along the same same lines. Yeah. And, you know, that it's a great point of um, what the intent is that you have going into each of these, you know, um, I would say situations, whether it's with a customer or it's just trying to find what's the next thing is you care, you care and you're curious. And those are, those are two super important pieces. And I've seen you showcase that all the time. And I think where you immediately build trust is in both of those. It's not that you're pitching, which I hate that word, by the way. Please stop using that word, people out there. Um, you're, You're not pitching something. You're exploring and you're trying to find what really is the opportunity, not just what are they telling me is their problem. Yeah. Well, how far can we actually go with this? And that whiteboard session in Atlanta, you literally asked three questions and you mm-hmm. figured out where the root cause of the issue was. And you yeah. were able to turn the customer from being very upset with us at the time yeah. to actually very open and trusting of you because you showed them visibly um, and visually what the solution could look like. Yeah. And I think you you handle every opportunity, including this constant, continuous vision building. Like you don't just finish with a big project and you say, okay, that's it. Like you've already started working on what's the extension to that or where's the next one. But you, you have care around it. You care about it. You care about our, you know, the customers, you care about our world, you care about, you know, the community. And I think that um, 
really comes through in a very authentic way. It's I, not, and that's, yeah. that's key. And I don't know if I coined the phrase, but something I say all the time, right? To like mentees and the team is like, if you believe in what you're doing, you'll never sell a day in your life, right? It's because yep. I like to be in front of customers, but I'll never consider myself a sales sales guy. And it's not to um, like be condescending to the to the discipline. It's it's not about that. It's more so like people that are in sales are they have a mission. They they are they are representing something, an ideal to really help make an impact. And that's that's essentially what we're trying to do. So storytelling is a, just a very compelling and interesting way to kind of connect the dots between where that customer lives today and where you want to take them. So, um, so that's fantastic. And the, in the evocator, I think we talked a bit about um, vision already and kind of where you come to that, but how you share <laughs> the idea and the vision with others, you do this great job of, you have your analytical background, you have this creative approach of, of, of establishing that big picture, connecting the dots and tying it to Here's what the pain point is. Here's what the solution will solve for. Like, talk us through. Those are all keys to the logician <laughs> gift in the book. Talk us through. You know what? What? Do you, what are some of the tools you use? What are some, what's the process you use around that? Do you have a process? You, you, I've seen you do it so fast too. Like it's it's imprinted in you. Whatever this this gift you have overall is imprinted in you, and it works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was innate or if it's developed, but I uh, one thing I realized about myself, Angie, is I I love chaos and I like to jump into the middle of chaos and create structure around it, right? And um, so there's there's a, I guess there's a method to my madness, but the the one thing that I think I, I benefit from in terms of having a finance background, in terms of education is I'm grounded on numbers and facts and process. Like I if I if I'm going to set a proposal forward like there's no way you can stump me, right? Because I'm going to look at the numbers, I'm going to be very fact-based, but it's not just about regurgitating numbers, it's about being able to kind of read between the lines and understand exactly what the numbers are telling you because you know 10 people could look at the numbers and probably derive something very different from them. So I try to I guess one gift that I maybe do have is being able to kind of understand the numbers and kind of abstract it and and kind of tell the story of what it of what it means. So really and truly there is there's never been a plan that I've done where I didn't start by understanding context. Like to me context is important. And I want to understand the world that we live in and then I can start to kind of figure out exactly how we kind of digest and and start to execute uh, toward a, a goal. And uh, so once you're grounded on on that principle, like it's 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 been very effective for me and for the for the team that that we lead to, to be able to execute on a very chaotic and a lot of change. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Yeah. So one one thing that. Um, as we try to move move towards this revolution of authenticity in the workplace and people actually being able to show up as themselves, you've been there, you, you've gone down this shifting path. Um, what happens when you end up working with someone who isn't showing up as their authentic self? How does that make you feel? And like, 
what do you try, do you try to run away or do you do you just struggle does it use a lot of energy like what what is the situation with you in that yeah i mean there's been moments as of late where trust is is really important so when when i bring my authentic self and i'm vulnerable um, i'm putting a lot of trust in in the other individual and you know i typically operate from a point of trust first until someone kind of um um, gives me a reason to take it away. And so there's been, there's real circumstances in, in the live scenarios where um, I put my faith in folks and, you know, they, they don't follow through and I pretty much will pull back. But it, it, we live in a world where we have to interact with uh, different colleagues and, and what have you. And it's just, you know, exactly how to manage certain situations and certain relationships. And what I find is that folks that are willing to be vulnerable um, with me, that we we can we can flourish, right? Like we can create some some relationships and some unbreakable bonds where I can open up and they can open up, and we can share our flaws and share our opportunities, and they won't hold it against you. They will try to like help you through it, and they will try to uh, set you up for success. And that's where. You know, I'm privileged enough where I, I guess I'm mature enough now where I can kind of see the difference between the two. And I think, you know, for many years, I probably couldn't tell the difference. But now because I'm so I think the the glasses are off, I can kind of see people for what they are. And it's kind of like, you know, they like when I interview someone, I can know it within five minutes if I'm going to if I'm going to hire them or not. It's kind of the same kind of principle. So um, how does intuition play with you do you do you leverage your intuition i'm sure you do you may not realize it but <laughs> yeah i i don't know what to call it to be honest i um i'll wake up in the middle of the night i'll i'll have these early morning and these like revelations these ideas just pop in my head right and they'll they'll keep me up through the night and i've got to get them pen to paper uh, otherwise i'll forget in the morning so i i don't know how to identify what that is but that happens very frequently where again two three o'clock in the morning i'll wake up and like the best idea will pop in my head and i'll get it down on paper and then i kind of run with it and it materializes into something and that that feel like feels good but it does maybe take a step back and be like what is that mm -hmm. i still i still haven't gotten my arms around what that is so yeah. intuition yeah i could be so those are your muses <laughs> Those are your muses. You probably have it when you're speaking as well or even presenting ideas. All of a sudden, you'll just literally channel that you're like, I have no idea where that came from, but that sounded yeah. really good. Yeah. And yeah. and you're very open to receiving the downloads, the messages. Um, creators uh, definitely have that. Messengers have that gift. Transmitters have that gift. And um, in the creator world um, and, and even the transmitter world, um, and those gifts and those archetypes, you know, what I've found over the years is that, um, and, and I think, a, 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 um, oh gosh, what's her name? Elizabeth Gilbert puts this very well in her book called Big Magic, is when you're handed the opportunity to do something with that idea, you only have a certain amount of time to, to actually take action on it. And, you know, at the same time, like the generator gift, they have to diffuse, you know, 
being overwhelmed by too many things, too many, you know, and, and their gift is being able to identify what to actually take and work on. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do get a lot of ideas and sometimes it can be very overwhelming, but you, the gift alone of, of being able to receive like that is amazing. And the fact that you actually write them down, and I know you do take action on them because you'll have a PowerPoint done by the time you get in the office sometimes when you do that because I have, I have witnessed that. But um, it's amazing because um, you're, the, you're the one that takes the action. A lot of people get the ideas, they don't take the action. And when you don't take the action, you don't do something with the idea, guess what? It now gets folded over to someone else. It gets transferred. And I love her, like, um, I would say, you know, kind of explanation of this. And she's seen it happen so many times in her own life as a writer. But mm-hmm. um, the the interesting part to that is, you know, we all say, you know, oh, man, I, you know, you see something on TV and it's this new invention or whatever. You're like, I had that idea five years ago. Yeah, you mm-hmm. did, but you didn't do anything about it. Yeah. So how do you then prioritize all of these different ideas or do you mesh them together? What, what have you found works for you? Yeah, what I've, it's, so if I look at my list right now, it's probably about 15 uh, deep. So the, the position I'm in, I'm, I'm privileged enough to have a team, capable team. So um, I got a kid to pick and choose. So like some things that I'm super passionate about and I have a mission to drive, maybe it hasn't materialized to where I can start to storytell and influence others. I kind of own it my own until it gets to a point of maturity where I think it's worth sharing um, and I can influence folks. And then other things that are more mature, I probably kind of start to um, delegate to appropriate individuals that I think could really kind of take it and run. So um, got a diverse team, diverse skill sets. So it's kind of like I get to kind of plant the, the seeds we're in the best soil that where that can, that can flourish, right? And um, and it, this is still a work in progress, right? This is this is in motion right now. So, but it it also proves to be a, a test, right? Because I know where I want to see it through, but I'm really trying to understand, give them an opportunity, same way I was given opportunities to see what creativity they will bring to it, because I only have a certain vantage point and a certain view of what I want the outcome to be. And I want to maybe plant the seed, but then let them take it on its own journey and see where it goes. So that's kind of like how I'm able to scale a little better than maybe before where I burn myself out trying to do everything. Okay. I love that. And I love the fact that you're, you know, you trust your team and you believe in their abilities um, and even if they haven't done it yet, doesn't mean they can't do it, right? And yep. and being able to give them that opportunity, you know, which really gives them um, probably much more enjoyment in their day and in their work and um, fulfillment from a purpose perspective and just being able to do something um, that's, you know, revolutionary in the environment or in the industry, uh, that's significant, you know, to just day-to-day working. <laughs> yeah, I just keep telling my team, like I, I literally talk about you all the time. And um, I always I always say I, I feel the need to pay it forward. Like leaders like Angie did so much for me in my career. Like I feel obliged to do the same for, for others that I get the privilege to lead. So I'm going to do exactly what Angie and others <laughs> did for me. No, I'm serious. That's I awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we had an offsite last week and I brought you up. You know what I mean? It's, I, <laughs> There isn't a, a week that goes by where you you don't come up. 
Oh, thank you. That's awesome. But, you know, yeah. I've had great leaders too. And I think you're right. It's we're all paying it forward, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. So on the, on the front of, um, of authenticity, kind of circling it back and, and rounding out the interview and the conversation, I would say, um, from an authentic perspective and being able to show up your authentic self, like what ways do you support your team in doing that as a leader? Um, you know, what, what would you say actually gives them that sense of comfort and safe space to be able Mm -hmm. to also show up as their authentic self? Yeah. I try to do it in the small ways. So I try to be very uh, intentional about one-on-one time and uh, I try not to placate or anything like that. And it's more, I want to like understand the personal aspects of, uh, of their life. Um, you know, we came in through a very interesting time with COVID. Everybody's remote. We're not in the office anymore. So very different dynamic in terms of relationship building. I've got completely new team members that I'm building relationships with. But very quickly, I kind of show up and kind of tell them my story. And they can see that um, I don't have an, a hidden agenda. Um, I'm very real with them. And I think they can see that intuitively and and and. It, it seems to resonate and they kind of reciprocate um, kind of their vulnerability. So it's it's very interesting. I've, I acquired maybe like uh, 30, 40 new team members and I've gotten to know all of them already. And, you know, it's it's like I knew them for years. So it's um, like I, it's it's just been really cool. It's like we can all get caught up in the day-to-day in the business and things like that, but it's really the people that make the difference in what we do. And, and this is something I had to learn. I didn't always do this, um, but I, I'm starting to pay attention more and more to the team and uh, the pulse of the team. COVID, there's different stresses of work-life balance and things like that. And, you know, there was a note that I sent at the end of quarter end. This was this was cool. This felt good. So I sent a note um, on a quarter end Friday, which is, you know, typically the most chaotic time of the year. And I told the team, I was like, hey, it's gonna be a stressful time. Walk away when you need to. I need you to decompress, relax, tension, stress is gonna be high. Just walk away and do what you need to do. Take care, make sure you have the balance in place. And somebody responded, this is, I've only known her for two weeks. She responded, she's like, in my 17 years, this is the first time a leader has ever told me to decompress and stay away from my my screen for for a period of time, and you know what's interesting about that is like that makes them want to do more. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yes, it's just it's just the the dynamic, and it's so it's it's been really cool to kind of see that if you pay attention to people, invest in people, um, and come across as who you are, they will naturally just open up and be themselves as well. Yeah. I think the the word that pops into my head a lot um, as we are making this shift in the workplace um, and and trying to balance, you know, with all the different additional stresses everyone's dealing with is real. Like, I think the more real leaders are, it mm-hmm. allows the um, colleagues just to to really be able to be real as well. And, you know, I remember for so many years saying, you don't have to ask permission to take your child to the doctor or go pick them up from daycare early. You don't have to, um, you know, sit there and stress and suffer in silence. Like Mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm overwhelmed. 
tell me what the big priorities are and let's go through it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's amazing that having to um, really focus on giving permission to people to do those things is sad because that's that's where we are in the corporate environment, especially. But I think it's the opportunity for leaders to really pay attention, appreciate, be in tune, be compassionate and be real um, to the point that, you know, and this goes for, you know, leaders who like to send emails at 11 o'clock at night or or three in the morning, like stop, stop doing that because what you're doing is you're, you're not breaking the chain. You're not being real. You're, Mm -hmm. you're basically saying I'm stressed and I can't sleep. So you should be too. (laughs) and enough is enough. So (laughs) let's let's do something different. So I love the fact that, you know, you're, you're already making that shift and you're finding um, presence, appreciation, compassion, um, nurturing, being real, I think are all really key um, components to the new leadership that we need for the future. I'm trying my best. learning something (laughs) new every day, Angie. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Um, okay, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Nico. Um, there were a lot of great, a great nuggets that people will get out of that, and I think um, relatable stories too. Um, so I have a quick uh, ask: Do you have any call-outs that you'd like to make, whether it's company, books, courses, organizations, nonprofits, or products? <laughs> I'm gonna tell everybody to buy your book, and oh. I'm. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm next in line. That's my big call out, like the mission that you're on. You know, like there's this movement of enlightenment. I call it like, a, you know, the Jay Shetty's and the Tony Robbins of the world. That was all lost on me before I kind of went on this this journey. And I realized that, you know, there's this freeing that can occur um, and allow people to kind of be themselves. And it's it's not just about them. It's about being a better parent. Like I found myself being a better parent because of it. And uh and I'm not perfect. I got a lot of room to improve, but the way I communicate and the way I'm teaching life lessons to my kids and the way the partner I am to my fiance, like everything's completely transformed because of this enlightenment and removal of these blind spots and these stories that I created. So I'm jumping on board. Big shout out to you, Angie. I am buying your book and I, I hope everybody does because I think what you're trying to do uh, for society at large is is much needed. I think a bunch of robots just marching and I think we need to kind of break the mold and kind of be ourselves. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, you totally get the message. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and honestly that that's the path to joy and happiness and feeling uh, and living I would say a more fulfilled and fulfilling life. Um, so thank you for the call out. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Anytime, awesome. Angie. Thanks for having well, me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, I hope you have a really wonderful day. I know you're super, super busy, so I totally appreciate it. Thanks, Nico. No, no, no. Thank you. Anytime. (laughs) Take care, Angie. All right. Take care.